Greetings, creeps, and welcome to Horror Girl Problems, the podcast slash videocast. Thanks for listening, Mom and Nephew Noah. This week we are kicking off Pride Month! So I've invited some of my fiends to help me out today and talk about some very vulnerable and personal shit. Let's get to it. Uh, thank you guys. Welcome to Horror Girl Problems, the podcast, officially, slash videocast. You are all being recorded, your faces as well, so thank you. Um, let's kick it off like a quick little intro. Corey, start us off. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Gory Corey. I'm a teen blogger and the teen correspondent at Fangoria, and I am the co-host of the Scream Teens podcast on the Anatomy of a Scream Network, and you can find me at GoryCorey.com. That was clean. I need to get mine that clean. Mine is like, oh mine is like uh, uh, I've been uh. trying. It's taken so long. <laughs> All right, Zero. What up? My name is Zero Gravity. I am a horror influencer, content creator on the internet webs. Your geeky friend. Here I am. And uh, you can find me on most platforms at IDK Gravity. All right. Hi, I'm a Graves or Steffi. Um, I am uh, found on the internet as Immortal Graves generally. I stream over on Twitch with a focus on horror games and talking about current events, um, as well as I have a podcast that is relaunching in September called The Kathleen Cauldron. And uh, I write as well. I have a piece in a book that's coming out called Hear a Scream that'll be coming out later this October. And that's about it. That's about it. But yeah, it's Immortal Graves pretty much everywhere. Okay. Is that and like a short great. horror story? Yes, it does. <laughs> you <laughs> all have fantastic hair. This is like the good hair panel. I was like, God damn, look at this hair. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a personal essay for myself. Oh, okay. That's nice. so cool. Excited to read that. Uh, Raina, let's hear it. Uh, yeah, I am Reina Cervantes. I am a writer slash podcaster. Um, I host the podcast Horror in Session. Um, and I do freelance work for bloodydisgusting.com, roomorg.com, screenqueens.com, and used to do work for sci fi fangirls. Um, and you can find all my social stuff at JFC Doomblade. Yay. You've been kind of everywhere lately also, and I'm very proud of you. All of you, actually. I was like, I'm so excited that you guys all agreed to this because I feel like I'm such like a fangirl of all of you guys. So I feel like I'm just always like, oh, you guys are fucking badass bitches doing cool shit. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm excited to have you all here today. Thank you. (laughs) So today we're talking about good hair. Um, No, that's not the focus. Sorry, distracted. We're going to be talking about queer representation in horror. More specifically, what characters you personally identified with. Um, I explored this for an upcoming Gaily Dreadful article. And it made me realize that I grew up in a time where there was not a ton of representation for me personally. Kind of across the board. But uh, there's a multitude of ways that I was lacking in representation in media. But because of that, I think the characters that I most identified with and hold so dearly might seem kind of like odd choices if you don't know the reasoning behind it. So then that got me wondering um, if other people have this experience as well. So that's why I've gathered you all here today to hear about who you personally identify with uh, in the realm of horror. And we've got kind of an age range uh, covered here, which is kind of cool because I'm very curious to see if that influences the types of characters that we have related with um, over the course of time as representation got better. And then we can go on to talk about modern representation and how that's shifted. But first, let's start off with your 
personal characters that you most identified with? Uh, does anyone want to volunteer to start? <laughs> uh, I can start. Um, so this go, we're going to go like slide all the way back to the 90s. Because <laughs> uh, that's when I was a teenager. Um, for me, it was probably a character that I related to, even though they weren't um, like specifically stated as a member of the LGBTQI community was Faith from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, it was stated by the actress who played her, Eliza Dushku, later on that she did play her as someone who was bisexual. Um, and I just, there was many reasons I related to Faith um, and her character uh, from you know, her being on her own uh, at a really young age and um, just sort of the energy that she had to just keep going and and um, sort of like a zest for life kind of. Um, but I don't know what it was, but like when I thought about, I'm, I'm someone who's been lucky enough that I, I've never really had to ever come out. I've always just kind of been myself um, and been bisexual. Um, if anyone ever asked, I said, yeah, that's who I am. Um, I'm really grateful that I've had that privilege from the cities that I lived in and um, my grandparents who raised me. Um, so I just felt this like really strong draw to her and just like her owning her sexuality and everything else like that. And there was this really big like undercurrent and, and, and sexual tension between her and Buffy. And I just really zoned in on that a lot, <laughs> like a lot growing up. Um, so I think I was probably like 17 when Faith was on the show. Um, and I don't know. It just—it's always sort of stuck with me. And then later, later on, as I go back and I rewatch the show again, and I kind of like see even more, I'm just like, uh huh, is that where I got that from? Like, it's—it's it's just sort of this this undercurrent I think that ran, um, like ran through me and and who I am without me really realizing it until recently, when I took a, some time to actually write again for Gaily Helpful, um, write a piece on bisexual representation in horror, which actually is not that great. There's not a lot out there. <laughs> there just really isn't. I love that. And I think uh, it's probably similar for a lot of us where it's like you felt that and then you didn't really notice a lot of things. You, you describe it as an undercurrent, which I feel like is exactly what it feels like until you go back and in hindsight, you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's what it makes sense because of this and this and this. But like in the yeah. moment, I mean, I didn't feel like that watching this stuff. I identified with it. I yes. exactly say why I was identifying with it exactly. just yet, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's definitely a sort of like a, a hindsight thing and a very retrospective moment to look back and like sort of try and, and, and work out like how much of these uh, characters may have had an impact on you. Mm -hmm. um, it's like that light bulb moment yeah without you even <laughs> realizing it and then it's like oh hey and it's kind of cool absolutely love that all right anyone want to go next i want to piggyback off that i'm Here. very happy <laughs> that you had grown up in a space where you never felt the need graves to like come out of the closet as they say because that was the the case with with myself also um but my issue with the media that I would escape into 
um, in trying to find representation um, had more to do with like gender roles and gender norms, um, especially because I, I grew up a couple blocks from Stonewall in one of the gayest communities on the planet, the West Village of Manhattan. Um, and I, I had a stay-at-home dad and a working mom. And so I had already had this idea that you can ignore these things, like these things aren't set in stone. Um, but it, it just made it harder to digest watching my fantastical things that I like to escape into. And then the norms and the stereotypes and the roles are there. And as someone who doesn't or doesn't necessarily identify personally and the people around me with those norms, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. It made it harder for it to digest because I know that there is a different way than just this. Um, and so the characters that I think have kind of melded their way into my personality as a young person definitely come from um, strong women in horror that don't fit that mold. Um, and, and I was personally very vocal about my questioning and my sexuality at a very young age. So I didn't, I kind of like fell out of the closet, if you will, just like, like just kind of assumed it at, at you know, <laughs> at a certain amount of time and I was never one to deny it. But um, as soon as my parents kind of got a hold of, this is the direction that I'm going in and I don't feel like hiding it. Um, my dad as a fan made it a point to put me on to Grace Jones. Um, and so Vamp stuck with me very heavily, not because of the movie itself, just because I was a fan of horror. And my dad really pressed it into me how important women like her were in the spotlight as androgynous and just this overarching cloud of queer where you really don't know and you really don't care and it really doesn't matter because she's hot and she's doing the damn thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, and Prince, of course, also learned it from Prince. Um, but Vamp was was kind of it. And then I'm noticing now, I guess I have my light bulb moment years later that I, I was more attracted to the androgynous woman of horror just because so often um, horror circles around the woman in danger. She's vulnerable. And even if she does make it to the end, you know, she's making bad decisions. She's, you know, dainty and <laughs> so on and so forth. So when we cut through that norm and we have a more androgynous in like physically how they look and also how they act. And I have prepared two examples because I've been thinking about this now. <laughs> um, that's what really sticks. So I, I've always loved um, Rocky from Wishmaster 3 for that reason, because she's sexy. She makes all the right decisions. She's killing it. And it, it really doesn't matter that she is not that not lying within that that uh, normality that you see all the time. And that made me feel very comfortable. And I want I don't know if I wanted to kiss her or I wanted to be here. It was like somewhere <laughs> in between. Um, but also when Ripley shaved her head or when bald Ripley in Alien 3, I was I was there. <laughs> I was right freaking there. So something about just ditching that that cover of what a woman should look like, how a woman should act, what a woman would do in this crazy situation that they may be in stuck with me. And I definitely have adopted that androgyny into my adult life. And I'm thankful for it. Um, I would still like to see more of it. And it's coming, especially from 2010 to present. It's I, I feel very excited for young women like myself in that time who are trying to figure out what 
you know, where should I put myself? Who should I idolize? What, what do I think looks good or not? What do I feel, you know, and, and having these options in, in your fantastical escapes make it so much easier. So I'm, I'm so glad that we're getting to that point where we can have not necessarily role models, but just, I don't know, a step below a role model, whatever that may be, um, an icon, if you will, for younger women. But it's the Andrew for me. And I don't think any of the characters that I had identify with, identified with in this way were ever, you know, it wasn't canon that they were actually queer or anything. Mm-hmm. But I felt like as a, a baby queer person that like, ooh, I want to look like that. That's hot. I'm feeling <laughs> that. Like, I want to be that someday when I grow up and, and still be adored and loved and by everyone and kick ass in the way I do without having these, these things to keep me in a box. That's awesome. I also love that I didn't know if I wanted to kiss her or be her. <laughs> That's so great. That is a solid mood. Yeah. That's like the biggest compliment somebody could get, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> also very cool that you grew up in a home that like kind of defied like typical gender norms. And then that's kind of what you were seeking mm-hmm. as far as representation. And that's kind of what you gravitated towards. I think that's really interesting as well. Thank you. Very cool. Also, Grace Jones, your dad, man, what a badass. He's like, listen, <laughs> let me show you the baddest of badasses. <laughs> He's educated. He educated it sounds like. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Anybody dying to go next? I'll go. <laughs> um, I was a teen in like the 2010s. So I felt really lucky to have a little bit more representation I think the first ever queer character that was like, I don't know if I want to be her, if I want to kiss her, was um, Thorn from the Hex Girls. Uh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> and she's technically, like, they haven't said she's queer, but it's we all know. Um, <laughs> and then when I was like 13, I watched the Scream TV series on MTV. And there's a character named Audrey who is bi-curious, which was like the first time I'd ever even heard that term. And... They treat her, it's interesting how they treat her sexuality in the show, but um, she was the first like bi character I'd ever seen on TV and I was in love with her. And I loved the actor that played her, um, Bex Taylor Klaus, and who later came out as non-binary and seeing them like come out as non-binary, I was like, oh, I should, like I can come out as non-binary too. Like it was sort of helped me to have that kind of representation because I'd never really seen any famous people that had come out that I like really admired. That shit makes me so happy. You don't even know. (laughs) It just makes me feel like really good. Yeah, it was was great. (laughs) It makes me so happy too. Cause I'm like, I'm so fucking like, I I see a lot of things now that I'm like, fuck, I wish like baby on hell had this when I was like fucking like, yeah, man, five or eight or 13. And I'm like, I don't have a word for this. I don't know what this is. I have there's mm-hmm. I have some ideas, but I'm like, but I'm it's not like what I'm seeing. It's not I don't identify with that. So I don't yeah, know if it's necessarily definitely. that. But then there's like all these different ways of like being queer. You know what I mean? But there was like such a limited amount that we were given of like, this is what it is. And I'm like, yeah, but not really. Like, that's still not yeah. me. So it's like, it makes me so fucking happy now when I hear stuff like that, <laughs> Corey, that I'm yeah, like, it's getting yes. better. It definitely is. <laughs> like, makes my heart just like, pfft. I'm like, yes, fuck, Dude, finally. Yeah. There's these whole <laughs> new generations who are not just like, I don't know what the fuck this is. I don't know what to call it. It's like, no, look, look at all these things. Yeah, exactly. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I think also sort of, 
I know this sounds sort of weird, but like watching Final Girls and Slashers really helped me understand gender roles or I guess question gender roles because all of these women were so powerful and were fighting back and were able to survive people that like eight other people couldn't survive. That really helped me to sort of think about like, oh, maybe the gender roles that we have in society aren't necessarily correct. Mm-hmm. Love that. <laughs> that All right, part. Raina. I, I guess I'm going last. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Best for last. Um, so I have like this cliched and uncliched answer and it's like involving the same character. So uh, growing up, like, I was a video store kid and like was obsessively going there like each week, just renting new and new movies. Um, Cause my parents showed me them like at, a, at an early age, like they showed me Halloween at age seven. And then I just <laughs> took off from there. <laughs> um, and I rented this particular movie at Blockbuster cause our location was a franchisee location. So they didn't edit their movies and they got certain ones that other locations wouldn't get. Um, and I rented Sleepaway Camp. And this was like my first exposure to the idea that somebody can live as like the gender they're not born as. And it kind of like, I don't want to say it set something off in my mind, but it kind of did. And like throughout all my years growing up, I like always struggled with it until like 2019 where I just threw up my hands and I was just like, fuck it this is who i am yes <laughs> um so going back and re-watching the sequels in particular with the character of angela and at the beginning of part two they just bring up that like oh yeah this is like uh, her situation she was like not born a female la da da she transitioned and then it's just dropped and it's never like brought up again and i just i I always love that idea that in this like over the top, like slasher world, like they were just willing to drop it and just like kind of accept it for what it was. And I always wish that could apply to the real world as easily. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me seeing like basically this uh, trans woman lead character for three movies in a row, it was just awesome to me and all and always will be like, I look back on those movies and I'm like, God, these movies are so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I was like trying to keep track of how long before Buffy got mentioned and it was like right away. So <laughs> <laughs> It's my thing. I am obsessed. All my alerts on my channel are all Buffy's. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, but but yeah, it was it was it was definitely sleepaway camp, and I know that's like a conventional and unconventional answer at the same time because I know so many trans people are like yes, Angela, she's like the final girl and the killer. <laughs> um, but I, I always just love the way the sequels approached the idea because I know like some people, like myself, it's like I'm in the camp that it's like yes, I'm trans, like I'm here, like let's just move past it. Like, mm-hmm. let's not make a big deal about it. Right. I love that. And I don't think it's conventional or non-conventional. It's just, it's your answer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's a very, very personal thing. Like, this is, like, such a personal question. And, like, look at all of your answers have so much to do with, like, this is my background. And then this is why these spoke to me. So I just, I don't know. I like that answer. It's not 
conventional or non-conventional is just your answer <laughs> exactly um and like i said like i don't speak for the entire trans community at all it's just my experience <laughs> and you. what i personally took away from all of it love it um i'm not gonna go deeply into mine because that's what the article is for and also i cried a fuck ton writing that article i was like jesus christ <laughs> what the fuck i was like unleashing shit that i had no idea and i was like this is like i don't know what the fuck is happening but yeah oh damn there you go sibling (laughs) (laughs) i felt so many like things writing this article that it wasn't um i usually don't have to do a ton of edits like i'm usually a decently quick writer and i don't have Mm. to do a fuck ton of edits but i was like i have too many thoughts and feelings about this that it's just a fucking mess like it's so messy and my oh, cousin. So good, though. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't uh, set up high expectations for this. Have a set a low bar. Oh, please. <laughs> no, the highest of expectations. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is my literal nightmare. <laughs> all right, can I ask you all one more question? It's like my favorite question that I ask people. So, <laughs> if you were uh, the the final, uh, you know, hero in a horror movie, what would your kill song be? As you're like mowing down all the villains. That's a great question. Let me pull up my Spotify real quick. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with... Let I me think- open up my Final Girl Kill Jams playlist. <laughs> that needs to be a thing. Yeah, totally out can, of can, can we, like... Uh, start it. Get it started. Or Twitter and, like, see what comes up. Hell yeah. Okay, yeah. We're going to post yeah. that after this. Yeah. I think, I, that would I, make think a great- I have a good answer. All right, let's hear it. I think I would like Freddy's Dead by Curtis Mayfield after I just like stabbed this man like a bajillion <laughs> times, like 50 million times in the neck. And it's totally overkill at this point, but I'm mad and I've been put through hell for like 2.5 hours and I'm just going, it's totally overkill. And then I just drop it, walk away, like with the explosion in the back. But of course, I'm not going to turn around and like look at it. And then Freddie's dead. <laughs> Freddie's dead. That's what I did. It's like really loud in the back. And I'm just a bad mamma jamma, you know? That was such a filmmaker answer. Because not only did you give us the song, you set the whole fucking scene. Like, I'm watching this in my head right now. I'm like, yeah, I need to make this movie, please. <laughs> Dig it. Final answer. Final answer. It's a good one. You guys have yours? You're still thinking. I'm still thinking, but I'm gonna just go with my my like my first instinct, and it was okay. "Decost" by Ramstein. Mm, oh, nice. oh yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> It doesn't get more badass than that. <laughs> like that's the Solid first one. thing that popped in my head. That I was like, but and then I'm like, no, just go with that. Uh, uh, Does this mean you were picturing <laughs> murdering somebody, and you're like, do it, and then you hear, yes. do do yes. <laughs> <laughs> It goes with it. <laughs> well, my answer sounds so lame compared to those two. But, um, <laughs> I grew up girls. Like, obsessed with theater, so I'm definitely going to go with the Phantom of the Opera Overture just because that song, it's, one. it's so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then it's also, it lends itself to a very, like, kill scenes can be very beautiful. You know yeah, what I mean? That's like, what there's, I want. there's all mm-hmm. kinds of different ways. Mm-hmm. Like, Corey's like, that's what I want. My murder, just, my murder is going to be beautiful as shit. It's, it's going to be like cannibal, just very thought out. Like, <laughs> yes. I like that. It's like a ballet of blood. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just want to be dancing it. while I'm killing people, basically. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm also a really big Phantom of the Opera nerd, so. Me too. That's another queer. I mean, I know that's like not technically queer, but I feel like it is. Uh, I don't know. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say no. Technically, not I technically, see her but door it creak, is. Like, uh. <laughs> is it really? And I just never knew that. Is it like a thing? Or is it just because it's I theater? mean, it was written by a queer composer. So not I that he's the yeah. greatest guy. But that doesn't mean yeah. we all have to like it. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by a gay man. The movie adaptation. Joel mm-hmm. Schumacher. You know, there's, there's just some like coded things in there where we're all just like mm-hmm. drawn to it. Like mobs to flames. <laughs> it's so dramatic. And it's so beautiful. Anyway. I had, a, I had a gay theater teacher in seventh grade. And he like played... Uh, that song for us and I was like what is this yeah. <laughs> I was the only kid in class and I was just like what yes. and everyone else is like you know fucking I don't know doodling on shit <laughs> and I was just like what is happening to my body and my soul and my mind and then I was like <laughs> was born in you that day. something blossomed and so I brought him a blank tape because he's like bring me a tape and I'll like copy it over for you so I bring up a, a blank tape and he put it the whole soundtrack and I would just listen to that oh. in the shower and just like do my best Christine and Phantom and it was just like <laughs> an awakening you know, that's yeah. a great I hate to say story. it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. Weber music, there's something so mm. inherently queer there about really it. There really is, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that you say that, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think my song would have to be "Crowded Elevator" by Incubus from the Scream oh. Three soundtrack. Mm. You're a big Scream Three uh, stan. <laughs> the soundtrack. The soundtrack. The I don't soundtrack. even like the movie that much, <laughs> but amazing. I got the soundtrack on repeat. The movie all the time. is amazing too. Okay. The movie is good. The movie is good. If anyone hates on that movie. Listen, I've already I like Scream 3. I've already established numerous times that Scream 2 is like peak of the series. <laughs> better than good. one? I can get down with that. I like I two better than okay. one. Oh my goodness. Wow. Really? Two. I like two, but not better than two, one. Two is so good because of one like it like piggybacks off of it like perfectly yeah one walked so two could fly yes. so i mean then you gotta <laughs> i gotta give it up to part one as my favorite then well one <laughs> one ran and jumped and then two oh sold. my god <laughs> he strutted that runway so two yeah. could walk yeah so two just went in and just flew and made the landing and it was perfect and then th- scream three kind of somersaulted but then hit the table at the end <laughs> oh, no. so like it's like oh I'm the taking this as a personal attack there. right now <laughs> oh, no. Corey, Corey just shit listening so upset. hard Corey, i was silent when you were talking about the tv series i hope you're very proud of me you like riverdale <laughs> Who's talking shit about Riverdale? Who's anti oh, I am. Get, get I am. Right. As, as someone no talking shit about Riverdale. On these uh, no. <laughs> the series was supposed to be marketed towards me, okay? <laughs> yeah, but it appealed to us instead. Yes, it really yeah. did. It really did. I had a moment uh, during season one of Riverdale. I was teaching junior high kids, and I liked Riverdale, and I realized. All of my students were also fans, and I was like, ah, okay. So I'm like in the 13-year-old demographic. Sounds about right. (laughs) All right, that's all I've got for you guys. Anything else you want to add? That's not anti-Riverdale? Open your purse. (laughs) Donate this month. Mm -hmm. Yes. Point people towards... uh, Gaily Dreadful's link to donate there. Hi, I am Steffi, aka Graves or Immortal Graves. 
I stream horror content on Twitch and horror chats. Um, you can find me there as Immortal Graves. Uh, I also founded and co-host a podcast called The Cackling Cauldron, which will be relaunching in September um, with Hacksaw Jenny. I am on Twitter way too much. You can find me there as Immortal underscore Graves. Um, and then this year, for the third year of June fundraiser of Gaily Helpful, I am helping expand the fundraiser to include Twitch streamers. So there's a group of about 20 of us and more keep joining us, which is amazing. Um, they'll be streaming horror games and raising money for the Transgender Law Fund, which Cherry chose this year due to all the anti-trans bills that are happening in the United States right now. Uh, the Transgender Law Fund will help fight and, and oppose those bills wherever they can. Um, so it'll be really amazing. You can mess with streamers' games um, when they play them. <laughs> With donations, you can make them do weird things. You can just, it's a lot of fun to get involved in fundraisers with Twitch streamers, which happens live on their channels. So make sure you're following Gaily Dreadful on Twitter and myself, Immortal Graves, so that you can get all the information about anyone who's uh, streaming on their channel. And thank you again so much for having me here. Thank you so much, Gory Cory, Raina, Graves, and Zero. Honestly, such big fans of everyone in that panel. They're all doing such kick-ass, cool, amazing work, and they're just really stellar humans as well. So check them out. If you're not already, give them a follow. So our video cut out right as Graves was giving the information on the Gaily Helpful fundraiser uh, that Gaily Dreadful is doing this month. I'm gonna link to that on the blog in the description. I'll be promoting it all month long as well. Open your wallets if you're able to and give, donate, even if it's a dollar. Imagine if if a hundred of us donate a dollar each, that's a hundred bucks. If a thousand of us do a dollar each, that's a thousand bucks. If a thousand of us do five bucks, that's five thousand dollars that goes to this really great cause. So please, if you're able to, use that link and donate. And now a message to you. All of those ways I talked about feeling like other weird, shameful, not belonging. I feel so very lucky because now my life is the exact antithesis of that. Um, I mean, a lot of that comes from a lot of, a lot of work and self-healing and all of that good kind of stuff. Self-love, all about that. Um, but you know what? It's also, uh, it's really cool and I'm very thankful that I've found such a sense of community and belonging here with you. So thank you for that. Um, the horror community has just been so wonderfully amazing and welcoming to me. And I know there are ugly sides to it. I know there's there can be drama and things like that. But luckily, the people that I've surrounded myself within the community um, are really just uplifting, stellar humans. And I'm grateful for that. You all make me feel like I belong. I can't count how many times I tell people in my life that are not like deeply entrenched in the horror community how fucking happy I am and how much it means to me that I have found this and this group of people. Um, I'm just really, really thankful for it. And I hope that I make people feel like they belong and loved and welcomed, you know? Um, I, I, I strive for that, for sure. You all give so much of that to me and I, I hope that I give that back to you. Um, okay, that's enough. Before I get too mushy, we're gonna cut it right there. But yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for giving me a place that feels like home and feels like belonging. So I'll catch you next week for some more spooky shit.